As we began last week looking at this story in the scriptures, this history of the rebuilding of the walls, the third portion of the temple, we know that it was four months from the time that Nehemiah received the report about the children of Israel, four months later. So for four months, Nehemiah was in prayer. He was fasting, he was mourning, he was repenting, he was seeking the face and the favor of God. And then after these four months, all of a sudden, because something changed, something happened, because the Bible says that he, t- he says that I had never been sad in the king's presence. And so that means for four months, as he was praying, he was seeking the Lord, the Lord must have given him strength to where he was not sad, he wasn't broken, it couldn't tell anything was wrong with him. And then suddenly this day comes and his prayer is about to be answered and he goes and he cry, he comes before the king and his face is sad and now the door opens for his prayers to become materialized, his prayers to become actualized in the earth. And if there has ever been a time that we need to look at the example found in the book of Nehemiah and become a people that are truly praying and truly crying out to God, it is this very hour in which we live. It is this very day and this very time in which we live that we desperately need to become a people. We desperately need a people who are truly praying and truly seeking God, but not just that, but a people who are going after God according to his will and who are hearing God say yes and who are receiving that response from the Lord because there's different answers to prayer. I've said this before and I just would like to reiterate it. There is no such thing as unanswered prayer. God answers all prayer. It's just that sometimes his answers don't align with what we want him to say. Sometimes God says no when we want God to say yes, and therefore, you know, oh, well, God didn't answer that prayer. Oh, yes, he did. He just said no. Sometimes God, you know, you want God to say move, and God says be still. Oh, he didn't answer that prayer. Oh, yes, he did. He answered your prayer, and he said be still. Now, the question is, are you listening, hallelujah, to his response? Are you listening to what he said? Because the, 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 the person here looking, uh, or Nehemiah, he was crying out to God, and he wanted to hear God's answer. And can I tell you the issue, church? This, this is the issue. The issue is that the church of today has lost the key to the manifestation of the kingdom of God that prior generations found. This is the issue. The issue is the church today has lost that. And why is it? Well, we, well, we, we are well conditioned to get it quick. Hallelujah. We are well conditioned. We learn how to make popcorn in like five minutes. Glory to God. We, we, we don't have to wait for the stuff to cook. and oh, No, no, we just throw it in the microwave. We got that microwave mentality. And what we want to do is we automatically want to get God to become our microwave God. Hello, somebody. Like, like, like we can just pop him in and in five minutes it's ready. Listen, listen. It is important that we understand this, that the church, when you look at your, when you read your Bible, we, we, and, and, I, and I love to start in our Bibles because I don't want to go into other historical documents. I want to stick with the scriptures that everybody has access to. Everybody in here got a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, let me know. I'll hook you up with Brother Norbert Rivera, Sister, Sister Maria Rivera, and they will hook you up. They got a Christian book, so they got plenty of Bibles in there for you. Amen. Hallelujah. And if you can't afford it, we'll buy you one. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, so, so here, here we have, glory to God, 
this, 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 this scriptures that teach us of a people that were truly given to prayer. And last week, as I was speaking about prayer, I was like, okay, we're going to move on to the next level. But, but here's, here's what I understood is as I began to read the next level, the next level continues on our journey and pointing us back to prayer. And as you continue to read throughout the book of Nehemiah, as you will see, that is the whole heart of this book. It is prayer. It is people who were given to prayer, people who were seeking the face of God, and they, and they were seeing the will of God worked out, not because they were so talented, not because they were so smart, not because they were so great, not because they had all of the answers, but because they had a key, church, and that key is prayer. They knew how to pray. They knew how to seek the will and the purpose of God. So what is that key that has been lost, the key to the manifestation? Well, the key to the manifestation of the kingdom of God in the earth is faith in the will of God. The key to the manifestation of the kingdom of God is faith in the will of God. And this is when I was sitting down and I, and, 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 and I wrote that statement and I began to meditate. This is what, what, what came into my heart and into my spirit. And I sat back and I said this. When you are assured of the will of God, you cannot let God go. For you are literally bound by the revelation of his will. And until he releases it to you in prayer or manifests his will, in the natural, your soul is bound to his and bound to his will. You see, when we are truly assured of the will of God, when we have truly received a revelation of what God's will is, you don't stop praying until you see that thing materialize. Amen, somebody? When you know that this is the will of God, and the issue is that in our day, in our age, there are so many different concepts, so many different interpretations of Scripture, so many different um, you know, dogmas that are out there that we present as theology, and so what we have done is we have have fed people's doubts more than their faith. So when we preach, we teach people to doubt more than believe. We teach people to question rather than believe God for what God says. Hallelujah. And therefore, we are in the place where we are nationally, globally, all of that good stuff. Because what? Because there is a lack of faith within the church. Listen, it doesn't matter if our president has faith. It doesn't matter if our governors have faith. It doesn't matter if kings throughout the earth have faith. What matters is that the body of Christ is endued with faith, church. Because when we are endued with faith, remember what I said, Nehemiah was a nobody and he was the one that did the last part of this building project who God utilized. Why? Because this man had a revelation of the will of God and he wouldn't let God go until he see it come to pass. This is what we need today, church. We need a people who are like Nehemiah, a people who truly, truly have faith in the will of God. The Bible tells us one of, one, one of my favorite scriptures in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That anything that we ask according to his will. Anything we ask according to his will. He hears us. And we know that if he hears us, that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. Hallelujah. This is the confidence. But see, the problem is, you know what the problem is? We don't have the confidence. Because what? We're not sure of the will. 
when we become sure of the will, confidence is there. It can't, it can't help but be there. When you sit down in this Bible, listen, this is the truth. Anybody who reads a Bible will, will, will attest to this right now. I'll get like 9,000 amens in here. Hallelujah. Listen. When you are sitting down reading your Bible and you get a revelation from God directly from his word that shows you this is what I desire. This is what I, something latches on to your spirit. Something latches on inside of you. Something wakens inside because you just, my goodness, this is what God said to me in his word. And church, that is what we need. We need more people that are getting latched on in their soul, latched on in their spirit with an understanding of what the will of God is because Nehemiah, all he did was ask the question. He said, how are things going in the land? And they told him, man, the walls are burnt. The, you know, the, I mean, the, 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 the gates are burned down. The walls are broken up. And the Bible says that this man began to weep and began to mourn because of what, church? Because he understood something from reading the Bible. He understood this is the will of God. And therefore, we, church, we, the people of God today, need to get that same revelation. We must become a people who are standing for what we have gained in prayer. I'm going to say it again. We need to be a people who are standing, who are fighting, who are valiantly rising up for those things that we have gained in prayer. That when we have been locked up in prayer with God, that we know that we know that we know that the Lord spoke this to us. That we know that we know that we know that this is the will of God and we're not going to give up for nothing. Hello, somebody. This is the kind of faith that needs to be in the earth today. I preached the message last year, in the beginning of last year, we were going through the whole faithful series and stuff like that. And I talked about Jesus when he, when he was, was speaking a parable. And he said, but when the Son of Man returns, will he truly find faith in the earth? Will he truly find faith in the earth? Listen, I don't know about you, but I want to be one of those people that when he looks at me, when I come before his throne, he saw faith in me. He found faith in his son, and, that, and that, that, that's what we should all be desiring to do. So the first thing I would ask for you to repeat after me, say this, precision in speech is the result of persistence in prayer. We notice that when Nehemiah comes before the king, he comes there, his face is sad, and all of a sudden, you know, the king says to him, listen, you ain't ever been sad in my presence. Now, this was dangerous. This was real dangerous because, you know, remember who he was. I, I want to remind you last week. Remember who he, he was? The, he was the, 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 the cup bearer, okay? He was the person that came before the king to say, everything is good, king. This, this is a good drink right here. Go on ahead and, and partake. This was his job. So for him to be sad was a bad thing because it could look like he knew that the king was about to die and he maybe didn't taste it. So that, that was a danger. That's why the Bible says he didn't become just a little, greatly afraid, okay? He was like, oh, my goodness, I'm looking sad in front of the king. The king could have me executed right now just for being sad around him. That, that's the bottom line here. So he's sad before the king, and the king is like, this is nothing but sorrow of heart. You ain't never been sad before me, but, you know, and, and, and other times. And then he tells him, well, he says, well, king, you know, he's, I'm afraid, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, why should I not be sad? The walls are torn down. The, the place where the land that I come from is busted. He didn't say that, but that's what I'm saying. If it would have been me or you, that's what we would have said. It's jacked up over there. That's what we would have said. That, that, that's how we would have put it to That's how I was saying really politely and eloquently. My neighborhood is looking rough, king. He tells the king, this, this is looking bad over here. Why should I not be sad? I got a report. My family, they all messed up, running around scared. The king says to him, what do you want? <laughs> Notice what he does. 
he doesn't just jump out of his mouth and just start blabbing off stuff. The Bible says, so he prayed to God. Again, what does he do? He's been praying for four months. I thought, didn't he pray enough? Hello, somebody. Four months of praying, fasting, mourning, repenting. Didn't he already know what to say? Yeah, you know what? But what happens is when we are really connecting with God in prayer and seeking his face, we want to make sure that we don't move without him saying, okay, say this, do this. We want to make sure that we are there to communicate what God puts in our mouths to the people that we need to communicate to. So what happens? As he communicates to the king, he asks for exactly what needs to be asked for to accomplish what? His will? No, the will of God. He asked exactly what was necessary to fulfill the will of God. He asked him, he said, I want you, you can send me over here. And then he said, okay, the king's like, all right, well, how long are you going to be? King is fine and happy. He says, I'm going to give gives the king a time frame that he's going to come back. And then what did he say? He doesn't stop there. His, his, his petitioning of the king didn't stop there. He says, and, and king, if I found favor with you, can you send me a couple of letters? Because when, when, when I'm walking over here, these people are going to look at me like I'm crazy. I'm going into this land, and I'm going to need some extra provision when I get over there. And so he communicated these things. So this is what happens to us, church. This is our application of this. As you and I spend quality and quantity, because when you're spending quality time with God, it will become quantity time with him. And speaking with him, not just speaking, but listening. Listen to me. Prayer is not just about you blah, 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 blah. Hello. Prayer is not just about you talking. After you have spoken, after you have communicated, after you have made clear to God what is on your heart. Can I tell you what we need to do next? You need to be quiet and say, now, God, what is on your heart? What is on your heart? Sit with your Bible in your prayer time and be there so that way God can direct you in the scriptures to do what? To communicate to you his will. So here's what happens. As we spend this time with the Lord, speaking with him and listening to him, what happens? Our understanding of his will becomes more clear. And we become more clear on his will when we're communicating with whoever it is. We are going to communicate according to that will. We're not bouncing all over the place, trying to figure out what we need to say. We are able to be led by the Spirit of God. And remember, we are talking about building for the kingdom of God, church. We have a responsibility to extend the kingdom. And the way that we're going to do that is by communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ, by communicating the truth of God's word. As we prayed this morning, it is by us being the light that shines in the midst of darkness. It is by us being the salt of this earth. That is the way that we are going to build and we are going to extend. And so we clearly need to be sure that we are walking in the purpose and the will of God and that our communication is right. As children of God, this is very important for us. We need to ensure that as we come before God and we're seeking his face and we're seeking his purpose and we're seeking his favor, that we also allow him to conform us to his likeness. This is why it is so important that you don't just stand there being the one talking in prayer, but that you're listening. Because while you're listening, you may not hear God say anything to you, but he's working out some things in you. He is doing stuff in you. He is putting stuff in you. He's removing things. He's cutting. He's pruning. He's aligning your character. So this is what happens with us. We go and we come and we run before God. We pray our prayer. We say our petition before the Lord. We lay it before him. We jump up and we run out of his presence before he has the time to work on us, church. Hello. And so what do we do? Or we walk out of God's presence, and then we wonder why we're messing stuff up. We're wondering why we're saying things that are offending people. 
the wrong way. I'm not talking about the offenses that are going to come when you tell somebody that they're, you know, living wrong or something like that. That's going to happen, and that's okay. Jesus did it plenty. You in good company. Amen. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about communicating things that don't necessarily need to be offensive. Communicating things that don't necessarily need to come across that way. Communicating things that create the wrong atmosphere, the wrong attitude. It happens, listen, happened to me plenty. The, the greatest testimony, or should I say the, the greatest of the worst testimonies that I have, is I remember when we first started a couple of years ago, and we were looking at a, at a piece of property that we wanted to move into, and, and, I, and everything just seemed to, like, just fall right into place. I was in a lunch meeting. They told me about this church, and, you know, I didn't want to go over there like a buzzard, you know, flying around because they told me the church was closing, the pastor was packing up. I don't want to do that. So I really sincerely went over there with a sincere heart to go and talk to this pastor. I hadn't talked to him in a while and, you know, been emailing him. He had never responded back. I went over there, talked to the pastor. When I walked in, the, the, the guy was packing up. It was a Thursday. He said that Sunday was his last day as pastor in this church, that the church was closing its doors. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. And, you know, and then I'm like, okay, well, let's think about God's purpose in this. I'm like, so what is the plan? So immediately, because they were part of a certain council, you know, a certain um, denominational structure, and I know how those denominational structures work, well, they usually have a plan for that building. There was no plan, no plan at all. Let me, let me testify to you. To this day, there's still no plan at all for that property. Hear me. They had a church there for like a year, didn't work out, church moved out. Now listen, I remember going in there, and I knew, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, I'm like, God, this could not be any more your will than and anything I've ever seen. I remember going to that property. They had, they, they, we, we, did a, we did a breakfast there one day, so I had keys to the property. I remember taking my little daughter. It's like three years ago, you know, so my daughter was like five, four or five years old. I remember taking her in there. And she got on the altar next to me because I just wanted to pray. I was like, God, you know what? I just want your will. I remember getting next to my little daughter, and she prayed this prayer that I was like, that had to be the Holy Ghost because this girl don't know like that. And she was like, Father, I just pray that your will be done, that, that you would just remove whatever don't need to be. And I'm like, glory. I'm like, I'm not even going to pray. Hallelujah. I'm going to let you pray. <laughs> now, notice this all sounds good, but it gets bad because... We sat down, we negotiated, I talked with the pastor that was now over the property, he was going to sell it to us, everything was just perfect, wonderful, everything was falling right into place. But your bishop, this is three years ago, hallelujah. I have, I have, I I have yet to arrive at that place where I'm just that calm and patient, laid back guy, Okay. I haven't gotten there yet, church. I'm striving to get there, okay? But still, you know, God is working on me. I, I, I'm that, that's why this comes to me first. I got to spend a little bit more time in silence before the Lord. Amen? But I remember all the way up in this whole thing, I, I, I remember that I was, I was so anxious to see this come to pass, and I didn't realize that I was literally, literally trying to help God along the process. Because I, I'm, I'm, I'm confessing. Y'all you, you know I like to confess every once in a while because I got to get that out. There's healing in confession. Amen. Hallelujah. I can't tell you how many times I would be in prayer about this building. And I just knew God said, Jason, shut up. Don't call him. Don't email him. Don't say nothing. Just be quiet. And I'm just like, okay, Lord, that lasts for about two days. And then I, I have, God hasn't said call him. I'm like, I got to call. I got to find out what's going on, right? So what happens when I call? Well, when I call, 
Then there's questions that are asked, not by me, just by them, you know, communications that occur. And then what ends up happening is I end up getting this reputation. It's a good reputation and a bad reputation. I think it's a good one to some extent. It's bad because they weren't feeling it. Because I talked to the superintendent finally because my anxiety got the best of me. And I was like, man, I got to talk to someone that has some power to make something happen, not realizing I was talking to the one who had all the power to make everything happen. Amen. Hallelujah. So I'm talking to the superintendent. And when I'm speaking to the superintendent, I had scheduled to go and meet with him. And the superintendent said, listen, man, I don't want you to drive all the way over here for two hours. You know, come over here to my office because this is what's going to happen. You're going to sit across from me for an hour. He said, and you are going to try to convince me to do something that I don't feel like needs to be done. He said, because, now th th this is the positive part of this testimony here. The, the positive part, I think, is positive. He said, because I know that you are a man that has a vision and knows where you want to go. That's a good thing, right? Amen. I think that is a good thing. I think it's good that I have, I have thought about this. I have well thought the plan. I've sat down with it. You know what the problem is? The problem is I needed to just let God orchestrate this thing the way that it needed to happen, right? And who knows? Maybe we would be there today. I don't know because all I know is that we had a wonderful deal worked out. I had a dream, and then all of a sudden, boom, everything just fell apart. So anyway. But we're going to move down the street. Amen, somebody? Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, all right, all right. But listen, the point is, the point that I'm trying to make is I'm trying to use myself as an example because I know that nobody in here ever puts their foot in their mouth. I know that nobody in here never tries to get ahead of God. I know that nobody in here tries to move forward when God says be still. I know that nobody in here says stuff that they regret. I know, I know nobody does that stuff. So I figured I would share my testimony, amen, and, and, and I would share where, you know what, you can be praying, but you've got to wait and allow God to mold you, and that way, when the door opens, you don't do anything to hinder the manifestation of his will. Now, is God going to bring us where he wants to bring us? Amen. Of course he is. And you know what? Bishop has just got to be patient. Amen. Hallelujah. See, in this one, I learned the lesson. Praise the Lord. You know what? I just sit back and don't make calls. I let them call me. They call me, hey, what's up? I'm like, y'all didn't call me, glory to God. I'm being still and knowing that. The, listen, the, 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 this is the first group of people that they're, they're not even Christians, okay? They know about God. The first meeting we had, my wife was standing there when we were done. I said, let's pray right now. And they looked at me like, oh, I said, let's pray. We got to pray. This, this thing is on prayer. This ain't. I am not trying to negotiate this thing. I say what I know I need to say, and that is it. And you know what? Everything is falling into place. That you know, Like I said, that when, when they're calling you, that's a good thing. Amen. You're not trying to push the door open. They're trying to open the door for you. You just let them do that. And so it's important for us, church, that we pray because we'll be precise in our speech as a result of our persistence in prayer. And then what we see in Nehemiah is that when, he, when the king asks him what he, should, what he wants, he doesn't just go and open his mouth, but he prays again. Very important that he prays again and he makes sure that he's submitted. And I can, I can guarantee you this because the way that it's, print, the, the way that it's, that, that it's laid out here, Nehemiah didn't walk away and say, okay, King, just hold that question right there. I'm going to go and pray for another week. That isn't what happened. Nehemiah said, I've been praying for four months. Now this door opened. I'm fearful. I'm nervous. There's all kinds of things that are going on. Because this is what you've got to realize, that even though you've been in prayer, see, even though Bishop had been praying, even though Bishop had been seeking God, even though I had been going after him and you do the same things, when we get into the situation where we're now going to be able to see something change, you know what rises up inside of us? Anxiety. We start becoming fearful. We get nervous. We're like, okay, what do I need to say to make sure? And instead of just submitting ourselves right there, just taking a moment and just say, hold on one 
one moment. That's all, that, that, that's all Nehemiah had time to do. He was in the presence of the king. He didn't have time to go and have a prayer meeting and stuff. like. He didn't have time for that, church. What did he do? He just took a moment. He bowed his head. It looks like he's in reverence to the king. He's in reverence. Father God, give me words to speak. And he says, king, here is what I need to say. And everything flowed the way that it needed to flow. And that's what happens. When we're really in prayer and we're really seeking God, you know what we get a revelation of? We get a revelation of how much we need him. And then our dependence upon him continues to grow. The second thing, repeat after me. Perception and sight is the result of penitence and prayer. Look with me at verse 11. He says here, so Nehemiah gets to the land of Jerusalem. So he says, so I came to Jerusalem. And was there three days. Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me. I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. And I went out by night through the, through the valley gate to the shepherd well and the refuse gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down and, the, and its gates, which were burned with fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up in the night by the valley and viewed the wall. Then I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I have done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the others who did the work. So, so far, he's been here for three days. He's been in Jerusalem for three days, and as he's there in Jerusalem, he doesn't go and run and say, hey, I need to get all of the people that are in leadership here. I need to get everybody together because this is what God has sent me to do. No, this man had had a revelation of the condition of this place before he even went over there because in prayer he was feeling the burden. And when he goes over there, he spends three days. We don't know what he was doing in those three days, resting, whatever he was doing. But after that, he goes out by night by himself. And what does he do? He wants to confirm in the natural what he's seen in the spirit. That's all he wants to do. He wants to go out there and say, okay, let me look at what this is. Let's look at how much work is going to need to be done. Let's look and see what is really the condition of these walls and these gates. And so he goes and does that. And then after that, he comes to the people. And when he comes to the people, he's communicating to them in verse 17. It says, then I said to them, so now after he's done this, he says, you see the distress that we are in. How Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And so he says to them, you see, here's the issue. There are too many people reading the same Bible, living in the same society, and seeing the same immoral realities of our day that don't see anything wrong with the picture. They're not moved with compassion for the lost and have no burden to see lives truly changed eternally, which consequently, if we see lives changed eternally, that will turn our society upside down for the glory of God. But there's too many people. They read the same Bibles. They hear the same sermons. They walk on the same streets. Some of them work in the same places, and they think everything is cool. There's no problem. See, Nehemiah was outside of this picture. He wasn't in there, and he saw something wrong from the outside. He saw that there was something going on. So he brings them together, and he points out to them. He says, guys, he says, look at our condition. Look at how we are. See, here's the reality. We don't need to know what's, what's the newest news. We don't need to be up to date on current events. And we don't need to know the latest gossip to have the heart of God. Hello, somebody. Did you hear me? Now, I'm not telling you don't watch the news. That ain't what I'm telling you. I, I'm, I'm not going to go that route. I'm not going to run your life like that. Hello. 
I'm not telling you don't turn on your TV. I'm not telling you any of that stuff. But here's what I want you to know is that you don't need to know all of that to have the heart of God. On the contrary, church, we need to have the heart of God before those things will grip our hearts with a cry of repentance and determination for the kingdom of God to come. See, Nehemiah had the heart of God. When he heard the report, mourning gripped his soul. Repentance gripped his soul because he had the heart of God. He didn't want to go and just, you know, look at the news and it didn't move him. He didn't go and hear what was going on and it didn't move him. He didn't hear what was happening there and just act like there was no issue. There was something wrong because of what? Because he had the heart of God, church. And if we want to be able to see the things the way that God sees things, then we are going to have to be penitent in prayer. I talked about this last week when Nehemiah was praying he wasn't praying for everybody else who sinned around him hello somebody he wasn't a Pharisee saying you know I do good I don't do anything wrong but all of these people around me they're deserving that isn't how Nehemiah came before God but when Nehemiah came before God he came before God and he said my fathers have sinned against you and so have I he came before God with a penitent heart he came before God and he recognized that he was just as guilty as everybody else that lived before him he was just as guilty and and, and just as as culpable for anything that was going on right now for those walls being torn down for those situations not being the way that they originally were the way that God established them he took blame for that that's what it means to be penitent it is when you recognize that you are to blame just as much as anybody else church and when we have that heart, when we understand that we are the ones who sin, when we come to the, you see, it's, it's one thing to get a revelation one day that you were the one that nailed Jesus to the cross. It's a whole nother thing to live that out day by day, church. It's a whole nother thing to live that out day by day, that the reason why Christ was crucified was for me. It wasn't for my cousin alone, Hello. It wasn't for my friend over there. It wasn't for my coworker with the nasty mouth. It wasn't for the dude over there committing adultery. It wasn't for the lady over there who loves to gossip. No, it wasn't for them alone. It was for me that he died on that cross. Because that, my church, keeps our hearts, keeps my mind, keeps us understanding and perceiving things the way that God wants us to see them. So that way we take them personal. The third thing I need you to repeat after me is say this, determination in work is the result of assurance in prayer. So Nehemiah comes to the people and he communicates to them and he says in verse 18, he says, I told them of the hand of my God which had been good upon me and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise. He didn't say let you rise. Mm -mm. He said, let us rise and build. Then they set their hands to do this good work. See, here's the thing, church, is that you and I cannot be connected to God in prayer and remain indifferent, remain complacent, and remain carefree in the midst of moral decay, in the midst of mass apostasy, in the midst of multitudes of false religions being equal to Christianity. If we are really connected to God in prayer, church, our hearts are broken in prayer. And not only that, but we want to do something because we recognize that we, church, and I don't know if you know this, but we are just another religion religion. Hello, somebody. We're nothing special when it comes to a whole lot of folks other than people who call themselves Christian. 
We're just enough. We're, it's equal playing field there. And it should not be like that, church. There should be the restoration of the understanding that the one true God abides and dwells inside of those who call themselves Christians. There should be an understanding that the power of God dwells inside of those who know and walk with their God. There should be an understanding that we are vitally needed in our society. They should be calling us when situations are going on in marriages and in families because they know that there's deliverance. They shouldn't just be picking and choosing and where they're going to go. No, there should be something that sets us apart, church. And when we are truly connected to the heart of the Father, we can't sit by like it's not our responsibility. We can't sit by like it's not our job. Remember, church, we're talking about building. We're getting to the place of these walls, going from the, 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 the personal devotion, going from the church atmosphere to now reaching out into the cities. That's why this prayer is so imperative, this understanding of what prayer is. Pastor Marisol called the women to a special time of prayer. It is important that we allow the Spirit of God to call us into deeper prayer time with Him because that is what is going to change our world for His glory. That is what is going to empower us and make us ministers of fire because everybody in here, look at your neighbor, look at your neighbor, look, look, look around, look around. Everybody in here is a minister. Amen, somebody? Everybody in here has the same Holy Ghost in them. Everybody in here has the same Bible that they can read and they can seek the heart of God. Every one of us has the ability to bring change to our world. Amen? And so it is important for us, church, to be a people who are assured. When Nehemiah came to the people and he appealed to them, they saw, when they saw, they got a revelation of their reality. They got a revelation of how messed up their situation was. They got a revelation that there was something not right. There was something incomplete. And when they got that revelation and Nehemiah said, here's the plan. The plan is for us to rebuild these walls. The plan is to restore this work. The plan is to finish the work that began. Church, we are in the same place. Jesus Christ began a great work when he walked on this earth. He completed his purpose when he ascended into heaven. He endured the cross, resurrected from the dead, ascended to heaven, is, is, is mediating for us, making intercession and prayer for us. We see the apostles. We see them take up the mantle. They walk in that authority, and they continue to do what? To bring change to their cities. They continue to do what? To bring salvation to people who did not know, know God. They continue to do what? They continue to bring the light of the gospel into lives and bring transformation in church. It is our responsibility to do the same thing in the days that we live. But what they did, the Bible says that they set themselves to do this work. That word set means they strengthened themselves. They understood that this wasn't going to be something that was going to happen overnight. It took them, and we learned last week as well, it took them 52 days to do this. And we're going to look and see about how difficult this was because it wasn't just the labor at hand that made this situation difficult. And I didn't tell you this, but the title of this message is Request Granted. He went to the king. He asked him for something. The king says, what do you request? And he granted him his request. And can I tell you something, church? 
Many times when our request is granted by God, you want to know what that means? There's more work to be done. Did you hear me? When God says yes, okay, you, you, you want revival, okay, here you go. This, this is your work. You, you, you want to do this ministry, okay, go on ahead and do it. I'm, 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 I'm opening the door. You, you want to go minister over there? I'm opening the door. Now walk through it. Hello, somebody. He's going to do the work, but he's going to do it through you. Hello. You see, when we are seeking God and we're asking him to do great works, you know what happens? We become the vessels of great works. As we ask God for laborers to go out and labor in this field, you know what happens? We become the laborers. As we ask God for his favor and his provision, we become accountable to be faithful, to spend his provision and favor in his kingdom works, church. And so we are called, yeah, request granted. I want to use you to change your world, but now you got to get to work. Now you've got to realize that there is a lot of work to be done, and it's not going to happen by you sitting back and just being blessed and highly favored. It's going to be through your blessed and highly favoredness. I know favoredness is probably not a word, glory to God, but I like it anyway. Praise the Lord. It is good. Is it good? It's, write it down. It's, it's, it's going to be there. We'll see in August. Hallelujah. Hmm. That is how the work is going to be done, church. It's going to be through you, through you, and through me. Let's all stand to our feet. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hmm. <clears throat>